Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Workforce Institute Radio. I'm Joyce Maroney, Executive Director of the Workforce Institute at Kronos, and today we're continuing the series of podcasts I'm hosting on key ideas from our most recently published book, that being Being Present, a Practical Guide for Transforming the Employee Experience of Your Frontline Workforce. Our book is a practical guide comprised of chapters contributed by our terrific board of advisors on how to transform the employee experience of your frontline workforce with a special focus on jobs that require the employee to be physically present to do their job. So think about the cashier at a store, the home health worker, or the barista at your favorite coffee shop. My guest today is David Creelman. David is the CEO of Creelman Research, where he focuses on helping HR leaders and chief financial officers manage and measure the productivity of human resources. David is a prolific writer on the most critical issues in human capital management and has been an advisor to the Workforce Institute since our founding in 2006. His chapter in our book focuses on the power of employee recognition at all levels in an organization and not just for employee engagement, but also as a source of innovation and growth. So David, thanks so much for joining today. Thanks, Joyce. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Exactly. A pleasure to talk to you as well. So let's move on um, to our questions. And my first question, David, is can you tell our audience a bit about yourself and also why you were interested in contributing to this book? Well, um, you know, I'm very interested in anything to do with human resources, human capital, uh, really just management in general. I'm almost, you know, may maybe I'm a, a lost soul who should have been an academic in an ivory tower someplace uh, who's ended up in business. But what, what really interests me about the whole topic of management is making the link from the very abstract ideas of academics to how that actually shows up in the day-to-day -day life of busy managers. And I'm, I'm very much inspired by Henry Mintzberg, who I always thought was someone who could uh, deal it at a very abstract level. And yet in his writings and his explanations, it's all very down to earth and grounded in reality. Um, and, and of course, this topic of employee experience is something that I worked on with um, CHRO Peter Navin from Grand Rounds. So that's a topic that's really of interest to me. Well, thank you for that, the, the background. And um, let's move on to the focus of your chapter. So can you tell us a little bit about what you wrote about in the book and, and why you thought that was important to include? Well, the focus is at a very specific company. It's called Rito Recognition. It's in the north end of Montreal. And it has a very vivid start for me because I was in uh, New York and I managed to arrange a meeting with an um, analytics guru at uh, City University of New York, it's Dr. Charles Schwarbaum, and I met him in a Starbucks on the Upper East Side, and he started telling, him, telling me about the analytics work he was doing with Rito Recognition. And I thought, well, this is super cool stuff. You know, it's really getting into predictive and prescriptive analytics. I thought it was wonderful stuff. And uh, I was so interested in what he told me that I made a, a point of going to Montreal to visit their office there. Uh, and it's it's not a, all it's an office. It's also a small uh, factory where they do light manufacturing because they produce recognition awards. 
And what I found there was, in fact, more amazing than the advanced analytics. Uh, what it was is it was a like a regular everyday company. It's not Google, you know. It's not uh, some high tech uh, uh, firm in Silicon Valley or a cool architecture firm in Berlin or anything like that. It's a regular everyday company, and they do a great job of enhancing the employee experience. And so I thought that's something I need to write about. Yeah, I think that's it's it's a really great aspect of your chapter. Is I think the you know what they do is very relatable, and I think you're hitting on a key point there, which sometimes people think these concepts like employee engagement are for these very sort of high-end, modern, high-tech kind of firms, but really it's a concept that applies to any company, to any workforce. And so, uh, you know, on that score, how do you think that following the advice in your chapter can help a leader or their organization be more successful? So, Joyce, you know what I'd like to underline and what you just asked me is the word successful because the trouble with a lot of the literature on employee experience is that it's presented as this, as if this is some kind of charitable venture. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if all the employees were happy and engaged and were having a great experience? And while certainly that's a good thing, um, your employee experience initiative is not going to be sustainable if it's not actually helping the organization be successful. And that means growth, profitability, productivity, quality, customer service, all those kinds of things that really drive business success. And, you know, I mentioned Peter Naven before, and, and I, you know, I learned a lot from him. And when he talks about the employee experience, he always talks about an employee experience that drives productivity and performance. And I, I love making sure that we don't ever drop those phrase, phrases of, or those words, productivity and performance uh, from the phrase employee experience. So, uh, so that's the background on, you know, let's make sure we really are concerned about business success, not just HR stuff. And so, you know, what is the point of sort of Rito recognition's emphasis on employee experience uh, beyond the fact that, you know, they, in their heart, they believe it's a good thing. And, and that is important that they believe it in their, their heart, but some of the business outcomes are that, you see the people go the extra mile in serving customers. And sometimes these are fairly dramatic actions where, you know, somebody grabs, you know, runs into the inventory, grabs something off the shelf, personally drives it out to a hospital to give it to somebody, that kind of thing. A lot of the time, it's just uh, every day doing a little bit more to make the customers happy. Uh, you see people pitching in to help others when there's a problem on the production line. So this may not be your part of the production line, but the people, you know, go over and, and help out. It's a real teamwork. It's not, oh, well, this is my job and I'm not going to worry about what's going on over there. Uh, you, you see the regular employees finding ways to improve quality. I mean, they, they care about the quality and when they see something they think could be improved, they'll think about it and find a way to Im improve it. Uh, you've seen suggestions on how to innovate to get better productivity on uh, things like the um, uh, the flow of the uh, of the product. And, and again, it's not their job. They're not an industrial engineer uh, who is tasked with improving productivity. Uh, they're just a regular factory worker who sees something that can be better and suggests it. 
Uh, and finally, another sort of important business outcome is that people stay there. And so you end up with skilled employees, you end up with having to spend less time hiring people, uh, and uh, just generally all the benefits of having high retention. Yeah, it's, it's interesting um, what you're saying about the importance of not framing employee experience as some kind of uh, philanthropic event, but rather, um, you know, it is about boosting measurable outcomes for an organization. And it's funny because I also, earlier this week, I interviewed Andrew Barnes, who's the CEO of Perpetual Guardian in New Zealand. And, you know, it is his story that keeps flying around the world about how he implemented a day work week at his firm, um, initially as an experiment, it was something that he had read about and thought, well, gee, this is interesting. He had read about actually very low productivity in the UK and how the average worker was only spending an amazingly, I don't know, it was like two or three hours a day actually working. And he wondered what could he do at his own firm to you know, boost you know, the productivity uh, but also do it in a way that might give people back, you know, more of their lives. And he, and he said over and over again, this is a business proposition for me. I am a business person. And, you know, this is not about trying to make the employees happier, although that may be an outcome, but it's about really harnessing the energy and the enthusiasm and the innovation of the workers in a way that they are rewarded with more time back in their lives. And, and one of the things we talked a lot around that was trust, that you have to have a, a, a two-way intrinsic trust between workers and their managers and their employers in order for these things to work. And, and I suspect that when it comes to employee recognition, and I'm interested in your perspective on this, that trust also needs to be an underpinning there that, you know, this is, you're seeing me, you're seeing what I'm doing. You're treating me like uh, someone who has something important to contribute. So when you give me that recognition, I, I trust that is, it is substantive and sincere. Yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting that you bring this up because trust was never mentioned explicitly. Right? No, no one said that explicitly. Uh, and I think they didn't say it explicitly because it was so implicit. Um, and it was, you know, based on an underlying belief that people cared about each other. And if you care about each other, you're likely to be transparent and honest and, and not stab people in the back, all those kinds of things. Uh, and, uh, and of course, the behaviors that... Um, led to people believing that you cared. It was just your day-to-day -day activities and what you said and how you behave towards other people, the kind of communications that went out, the kind of way the organization responded when you had a, a some kind of issue or so, something you wanted or something you needed. Uh, so uh, isn't it great when you get to a stage where the trust is so deep that it doesn't even occur to you that it's something that you might need to work on? Yeah, exactly. So I know, well, I, I have met, you know, I'll put that in air quotes, I've met, um, it's Peter Rideau, right, is his first name? 
uh, Peter is his name, and his last name is Hart. His heart, right? And he—that's right. He—he he is the what recently retired CEO of Rideau Recognition, right? That's right. And uh, and we ought to mention because I find this hilarious is that he's also a uh, quite successful artist. You can go to his yes. gallery in Montreal. Um, yeah. And we um, so I've I've had the pleasure of of interviewing him as well, and I I know that um, you know as you mentioned before, you've had, you you've had the opportunity to um to visit Rideau and and you know meet a lot of the folks who work there so I'm, I'm wondering if there are any particular employee stories from your experiences at at Rideau that you know might kind of shine a light on what is so important about um making sure that you're including meaningful recognition in your in your employee experience um programming Yes, and and uh, I I found this incredibly revealing, and it's very easy to overlook. And um, you ask people, so what makes this a you know a special place? What really inspires you? Uh, you know, makes it a great experience. And and they say, oh well, you know, uh, when the CEO comes by, he waves or he'll say hi or he'll ask me how the weekend is, and uh, you know, then I'll get back to my work and. And I go, okay, well, that's fine. Can, can you tell me a, a story of, of how they create a great experience? And he goes, oh, and uh, well, when we have a town hall, he thanks us all for the work we've done. And I go, no, no, can you tell me something that they do? Like, ha has he ever sort of jumped into uh, a, a pool to save you from drowning? Or has he ever fought <laughs> off like a bear that came into the office? No, you know, you know, has he sent you on a sabbatical to hike the mountains in uh, Nepal? No, no, they, he said hi. At the company meeting, he um, recognized us all. They, they, we, we have lots of barbecues where we get together and have fun together. And, and this to me is what an insightful point this man was making. And, and I, I, I pushed him on this a bit. I said, well, you know, that doesn't sound very dramatic and he goes yeah but it's not like this other places and and he shared stories and other people shared stories of places they worked where it's just not like that and and these very basic courtesies this uh, recognition of the employees as being important and valued um, it just doesn't happen the the manager will walk through a plant and it's like the employees are not there and and to me what uh really struck me when I went on the plant tour with Peter is how people sort of came to life and, and, and you see sort of a, a smile and a glow as he walked into the room. Uh, so they weren't saying, oh my gosh, the CEO is here with a guest. I better, you know, you know, look busy or whatever. Uh, it was, uh, it's quite, uh, you know, people were genuinely happy to see him because he had become, uh, you know, he was a, a nice, pleasant, happy presence of a, a friend and uh, and that was the atmosphere that he had created not by doing things that are really extraordinary but by doing uh, the everyday things consistently uh, over a long period of time yeah I think that um, you know we've had a similar experience at Kronos because our our CEO is very approachable he as of today um you know the announcement's already been in the press uh chronos is is merging with ultimate who actually was one of our principal 
competitors for many years, very similar company, similarly sized company. And uh, we're both about 3,000 employees. So now we'll, or we're both about 6,000 employees actually. So now it'll be a, a, a 12-ish thousand person company and he will be the CEO of the combined entities. And I think it's very interesting. Um, it'll be very interesting to see these two cultures coming together, which are very similar cultures, very high on employee engagement and, and the high regard in which the, uh, you know, the, the folks who work there hold their leaders. Um, but I think this is going to be a very interesting evolution to see, uh, you know, the, to see these cultures come together and to see people respond, you know, to the leadership of this new CEO who has been such a, um, a beacon for people who've worked at Kronos for a long time, but you know, 6,000 new employees don't, uh, don't know this gentleman who has been spending a lot of time getting to know them in the last, you know, few weeks since this merger has been announced. But I, I, I really, I think that's an important point that the human courtesies, um, that a, a senior leader can extend to people really mean a lot. And our CEO, Aaron, wrote a book um, called Work Inspired that was published a year or so ago. And he's got a whole chapter on that that notion of making yourself accessible. And he makes a big point of saying, when I'm on the elevator, I put my cell phone in my pocket. I talk to the people on the elevator. I don't walk around you know, with, with my head in my, in my phone in order to create a barrier between myself and employees. So I think sometimes people forget it isn't about throwing a lot of money at people necessarily and sending them on expensive trips or whatever, although those things are also appreciated, but um, making yourself available and showing people the respect of, you know, I'm interested in your ideas. I'm interested in, uh, you know, the experience you're having at this company and I think you make that point in your in your chapter that you know when you ask people for their ideas, the people who are actually doing the work on the front lines, you can get some very good um, insights back about ways to improve things and to become more productive. Well, I think you're setting yourself up for your next book because the integration of two cultures, uh, and even when they're both highly positive cultures, uh, I mean. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, as, as you say, how they mesh and, and are they positive in slightly different ways. Um, and uh, so, yep, you're you're all set up. I can't wait uh, to read the next book. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think this is going to be very interesting. So, um, the next question I did want to ask you is: I'm sure there are people who will listen to this and say, you know. This all sounds great, but I'm not sure that it will um, work in my organization. So I'm, I'm curious if you, if you have proselytized to other organizations about the importance of um, really being purposeful about a recognition strategy and making sure that's part of your your day to day culture. What kind of pushback do you experience, or have you experienced, or what kind of concerns? do people have about um, in investing specifically in this area of employee experience? Um, well, by the way, first, just to, 
set the scope of the challenge. Uh, if you're an individual manager listening to this, uh, and you might think, gosh, how am I going to change this whole organization so that it's uh, a great employee experience and high productivity and all these kinds of things? Well, you might not be able to do that, but certainly uh, you can uh, live it on your team. Um, and if you're the head of HR, you might say, I don't know how we're going to do this across the whole organization, but certainly we can help it grow in certain parts of the organization, at least to start. Uh, so we, we don't have to fix everything all at once. But the, the single most important uh, issue is normally that it, uh, people say, we just don't have time for this. I, I'm so busy that I'm going to pull out my phone on the elevator because I just need to answer these emails. And uh, the VP, I think it was the VP of operations who, uh, of course, a very busy man with a lot on his mind. And his point was that this sort of day-to-day -day recognition, it doesn't take 15 minutes, it takes two minutes. And, and maybe you don't have 15 minutes because you're so busy, but you do have two minutes. And, and that's really, uh, a really, really important insight. And I'm sure the, the, the work that Aaron doesn't get done on the elevator with his phone, uh, he, can, he can afford not to spend that 30 minutes answering, 30 seconds, I should say, that 30 seconds answering emails. He can spend that 30 seconds smiling at an employee or asking them how it's going. Uh, so that's point number one. Point number two is that uh, for this to work, you really have to care. And this is one of the points I think Peter Hart made to me is, is that it starts with caring. So it, uh, and you and maybe you just don't care that much. There are a whole bunch of people in in the operations. Some of them you don't even know who they are. Uh, there, there's turnover, and and it's not that you're heartless. It's just you've got lots on your mind other than these people. So you know if you don't naturally have this sort of deep empathy and connection with other people. Uh, you think, well, how do I learn how to care? And and the way you do that is that you just start talking to people and learning more and more about them as individuals. And the more you get to know about them as an individual, not just as a, a worker, so this is not just the accounts receivable clerk. This is someone whose uh, son is playing, uh, you know, professional football, or this is uh, someone who's well-known in the community for their charitable works, or this is someone who's caring for two uh, very ill elderly parents. Uh, as you get to know them as an individual, that generates the caring that makes it much easier to have those two-minute interactions where uh, you're showing recognition for their work. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, David, my last question for you, as we sit here, both of us in, uh, you know, you in quarantine, if you will, in Toronto, and me in quarantine here in Salem, Massachusetts, and a third of the world at some level of, of quarantine or, you know, stay-at-home advisories due to the um, COVID-19 pandemic, I'm wondering what, you know, what parting thoughts would you leave people with? Because I'm, I'm sure employee experience may not be the top issue on people's minds right now, but a lot of people are 
unable to go to work. Um, they they are they're being told they have to stay away from work. For some people, like you and I, we can continue to do our jobs remotely on a computer, um, but a lot of people can't. And so I'm I'm wondering what your what your thoughts are in the current context around this notion of how do you say thank you to employees when you're not even all together at this point? Yeah, but you know, it's an interesting thing is that uh, one of the things that employees care most about in their experience is that they're able to contribute and that they're seen to contribute. But let's start with the first one. It's, it's not just that employees want to be sitting there uh, you know, playing a video game and have the boss come by and say, you're such a, you're a good person. We value you for all your unique, special, human, whatever. Uh, what, what the person first wants to do is is to know, know themselves that they're doing something to contribute to the success of the organization and the team and the people around them, that they're, that they're a professional who, whatever their job being, you know, whether they're a, a receptionist or in ship, shipping receiving, people like to know they're good at their job and it matters. Uh, and they also like to know that somebody's noticed that they're good in their job and it matters. Um, so uh, anything you can do to um, help them contribute in some way. Um, and and so encourage, and Joyce, but before this official podcast, you talked about sewing uh, uh, masks for, uh, for, for people to help uh, protect themselves uh, from, the, from the virus. And uh, or and to stop spreading that trick other people as well by by stop spreading it. Uh, anything you can do to get employees to feel they're contributing to uh, keeping the company running, to helping their community, to helping individuals, uh, that's where you're going to be able to create a, a good employee experience in these difficult times. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I know we, um, you know, our our CEO Aaron is is doing video, um, you know, video chats with the entire workforce every couple of days. There's a, a massive investment being made in community giving and and relief funds for um, Kronos, you know, employees and their family members who may be having a particularly tough time and uh yeah a lot of encouragement for you know doing what you can in the community of course you know from a a safe distance so yes i've been a sewer for a long time so i am sewing masks <laughs> but uh, i think there uh, i think you make a very good point that i think that reasonable employers right now um if their employees have to be on the front line as they do in healthcare um, are, are are really pouring, you know, pouring on the love and saying we we really are appreciative that you're putting yourselves, you know, at risk, you know, to help to help people. And you know, you see some of the hot spots bubbling up of people who have to do their jobs on the front lines and don't feel that their employers are are taking, you know, the necessary precautions to help keep them safe. So, um, you know, I, I think there's. May not be a lot more to, to say about this at this time, other than I think employers who want these employees to be available to them when we emerge from what everybody is calling the new normal will be showing that that concern and care now and doing the right tangible things to keep people safe and uh, 
to remind them, you know, that, that, you know, one way or the other, we will get through this, maybe not as fast as we might like, um, but, but this, this will get better and that we will appreciate them, you know, uh, now, and we will appreciate them when we're able to get out from under the cloud of this virus. I guess there are lots of wonderful examples of uh, human ingenuity, uh, empathy, you know, uh, entrepreneurial spirit. There, there are, we, we see a lot of great human behavior uh, through this crisis. And so as a manager and, and you think, well, what are people like? Uh, and you can think, you know what, there's a lot of good in people and uh, let's make sure that we keep that in mind and, and appreciate it and try to nurture it as we come out of the crisis. Yeah, exactly. Well, David, on that note, I am going to thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk to me today and to share your expertise with our listeners. Uh, to you listeners, thanks so much for joining us. You can join the conversation yourself by commenting at workforceinstitute.org. And until next time, please stay well, everybody, and thanks for listening.